Hey everyone, it's Robert Poole with the Growing Your B2B Small Business Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about probably the most important skill in sales and how we can use it to grow our businesses. Let's get started. Do you have a small business that sells to other businesses? If so, you probably know that there are plenty of resources for companies that market to consumers or companies that sell to large and Fortune 500 type companies. But what about the small businesses in the middle who sell to other companies? Where do we go to get answers? How do we grow our company consistently while still keeping our sanity? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of an elite group of achievers who aren't willing to settle for just a nine-to-five job. You're one of the heroes in our society, and you should be proud of it. Welcome to the tribe, and welcome home. Okay, everyone, I hope you're having an awesome day. In the last episode, we talked about the difference between mediocre salespeople and superstar salespeople and how we can use this to grow our business. You know, I hadn't planned to talk about this, but after the last episode, I think it kind of fits well here. So the last episode, you know, we talked about uh, my observations about top salespeople and five different attributes or skills they have. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. Of those five, there really is one that's the most critical in my mind if you want to be successful in selling your product or service. And that's the skill of storytelling. Before we get into that, though, I wanted to make sure that you don't skip this episode just because, you know, you aren't the one directly selling in your company. Um, What we're going to talk about applies to all of our marketing and sales efforts at your company. If you have salespeople or if you have actually, you know, someone closing the customer, you know, this applies to you. If you don't have salespeople and you don't sell directly yourself over the phone, et cetera, and run your entire business online like an e-commerce company, this still applies to you. So hang in there. This will be worth your time. First, let's talk about why storytelling is so important. You know, we probably all have a friend or an uncle who has, you know, lots of stories and is always telling stories. I had an uncle who would tell a story almost every time you talked to him. It was either a story about a time in the Navy or some business situation in the past. You know, he had a whole gamut of stories for every situation. And no surprise, he was in sales. He was one of those affable guys who people just liked and are attracted to. Okay, so stop right there. I'm betting you had a picture flash in your mind of someone you know that's a storyteller or they're outgoing or whatever. You may have seen a picture of their face or, you know, the last time you were with them. Just me starting to tell you a story got your brain to search for similarities so it can try to process what I was saying by comparing it to something in your own life. This happens subconsciously and almost instantaneously. So why do our brains do this? You know, because our brains think in pictures. It's as simple as that. When we take in new information, we try to catalog and interpret new information by using some kind of similar situation we've had in the past. It's much easier for our brains to comprehend things if we've had some kind of past experience that can be a model or a framework for understanding the new information that our brain is taking in. All that is to say, you know, our brains need things delivered in a story format to quickly understand concepts that we're taking in. Without our story, our brains are searching and trying to create stories, which is difficult to do, especially when we don't know a lot about the information we're given. You know, it's like a bunch of features and benefits or whatever the salesperson is selling. Without a story, it becomes very confusing. It's hard to remember and hard to understand. And without a story, it's very difficult for us the humans to remember and even consider new concepts. You know, so plain technical information on features and benefits is really falling on deaf ears and we're even confusing our prospects most of the time. You know, another reason why storytelling is so important is, like I said, in the absence of a story uh, presenting new information, you know, the prospect's going to create their own story about your product or service. What that means is that they are the ones deciding, based upon their past experience, if your product or service is of value to them long before you even get a chance to try to tell them about your, why your solution would be a benefit to them. 
There are many more benefits of storytelling, like, you know, the release of the, quote, love hormone in our brains, which studies have shown is generated by the feelings of love and even sex. But it's hard to believe, but a good story actually releases the same hormone. Stories also give our brain some escapism from our daily lives. You know, we're all bombarded with information nonstop and we're all so busy in our lives. You know, putting ourselves in a story lets our brain escape from reality for a minute or two, which is very pleasurable from the brain's perspective. Stories allow the salesperson to illustrate a point without directly confronting the prospect's current beliefs. You know, if you know a prospect probably has some preconceived notion about your solution or the subject in general, if you start by telling them that they're wrong in their beliefs, good luck in getting them to listen to your perspective. However, it's if it's in a story format, it takes away the confrontation from the conversation. You know, as a side note, if you're an entrepreneur or owner and you, quote, hate selling, does this still apply to you? Yeah. How so? Well, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, you're the one that are, is primarily responsible for the growth in your company. There are some things that can't be outsourced, you know, if you want to grow your company. And one of those things is the vision for the company. And this includes, you know, why you're in business and how you plan to help your customers. If you don't present your vision with a framework or a story, nobody's going to care or listen. That includes both your customers and your team. If they can visualize a story in their mind about what they're ultimately trying to achieve and who they're going to service as your customers, you know, employees have no drive to grow. In addition to the vision of your company, you need to work with your sales team if you have one or work on your website or sales funnel to tell a story that breaks down the false beliefs about your solutions. If you don't do this, customers won't buy as they just will be confused and emotionless and, you know, making up their own stories again. And all selling is emotional, even in B2B, regardless of what, you know, some sales trainers and consultants will tell you. You know, I feel very strongly about that point, and I think there's a lot of bad information out there. If you don't involve stories in your sales and marketing process, your customers are not going to feel an ounce of emotion. And without that emotion, they pretty much, you know, are only going to buy your product or service if they have real desperate need. You know, there are many more benefits to storytelling that I won't go in for time's sake here, but hopefully I've persuaded you to at least consider the power of storytelling. So we've talked about, you know, the why behind it, but let's say you, you know, see the value in storytelling. How do you actually do it? You know, there's a simple process I use when trying to use storytelling in our business or in any situation, really. Simplicity is one of the most important aspects of business in my mind. Everyone, including most, quote, experts, want to make it complicated, but simplicity allows you to focus on moving the real levers in our business that make the difference in failure or success. And it helps us avoid all the noise that we experience in day-to-day -day business. From a top-level view, if you're an entrepreneur or even if you're just the salesperson, you have to start with uh, understanding the biggest false beliefs your prospects are likely to have. So what do I mean by false beliefs? Well, some of these are what we would call objections, but basically, though, they're beliefs that the prospects hold in regard to your solution, you know, their ability to use it and even themselves related to your solution again. For instance, let's say you sell commercial insurance. You know, what would be some of the false beliefs that you may have to overcome to get the prospect to do business with you? Well, probably a big one, you know, in the last decade or so is that insurance is becoming more and more of a commodity and price is all that matters. And it doesn't matter if you buy it from a professional agent who services the count. You know, I'm sure if you're in that line of business, you have seen that belief exhibited now and then. You probably have a different belief that there's a lot of value in having a personal relationship with an agent, someone who knows you and your business and is able to help you make the right decisions because you're the expert and not just some 800 number call center representative. So the key is persuading the prospect that their belief is flawed and you're right. But how do you do that without, you know, again, coming across confrontational? You know, when you come right out the prospect and say, hey, I know you feel that way, but basically you're wrong. And the correct answer is that you need an agent. 
you know, how likely is that you're going to persuade them with this kind of confrontational approach? Almost zero. People have egos and you've just attacked their belief system, which, you know, to them means you've attacked them personally. But let's try it another way. What if you told them a story about a client you have that originally had the same false belief? You used all the detail you could to put the prospect uh, in the story so that they started relating to the client in the story. Then you tell how the client was able to shift their belief that they, you know, did need the help of you know, an insurance agent and advice of a professional. And then this was the result they got. They saved money by knowing how much coverage to get, what type to get, you know, where are the blind spots in their business where they might not have thought of and so on. Basically, all the benefits you believe um, that helps your clients. After hearing this story, they're more likely to open up to you and uh, be open to what you have to say. And, and you, your close becomes much easier at that point. So that's step one of telling the story, identifying the prospect's false beliefs. Step two, brainstorm on those objections or false beliefs. Identifying step one, you know, you want to write them down, but, you know, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but then take them one-on-one and start thinking about your clients that you've had in the past that were maybe in the same situation, like the insurance story I mentioned. Or if you don't have that, you know, think about your personal life and maybe a situation where a similar concept would apply. I mean, you can even use a story you heard someone else tell and use that. It doesn't matter as long as it gets the point across that their belief has holes in it and there's a better way to think about it. So the third step is cataloging these objections or false beliefs and organizing them into a spreadsheet or somewhere where you can list the false belief and then the story or stories that go with it. Do this for every major objection or point you want to make and get the prospect to buy into it. Even some of the best storytellers have catalogs of stories in their head. I mean, we all do, but they're not, you know, down on paper necessarily, um, but they, they aren't really organized or intentional for each false belief, but they're there. You know, this is particularly de- true depending on personality. If you're the type of person who can tell stories all day long and it's just part of your nature effortlessly, you probably still want to catalog those stories in a spreadsheet or something so you can identify if you're missing anything and you can come up with a, maybe a better story. If you're not that, you know, natural storyteller, basically what some people would call a born salesman, you know, this is really important. You know, this would be for me. I don't naturally tell stories in my daily life with ease. I have a five-year-old who, you know, if you get her started, she can literally go on for 20 minutes or until you interrupt her with stories that she's making up on the fly. That's just her personality and natural ability. My eight-year-old is completely different. She's much more like me. She can tell a story, but she needs to think about it in advance and has to practice putting details in because it's not a natural unconscious act. Either way, to get good, both personality types need to catalog their stories and I would argue the, quote, natural storyteller is even more important that their stories, uh, because they tend to be all over the place and much less targeted in specific false beliefs because they haven't thought it through. And then step four, um, practice telling your stories and take note of the prospect's reactions. Do they seem more engaged? Do their eyes glaze over and start looking away? I mean, you'll get an idea pretty quick if your story is of interest and relatable to the prospect. If you aren't getting good feedback, it's one of two things. Either you aren't using enough detail to get their senses involved in the emotions and create the pictures in the head that you want them to see, or the other possibilities that they just can't relate to the character in the story. Work on both of those avenues until that feedback starts to turn around and you see people engaged in paying attention. So those are the simple four steps all of us can do if we want to maximize the effectiveness of our storytelling. You know, identify the false beliefs or objections, brainstorm st- stories that illustrate the new belief, catalog those stories, and finally practice telling those stories and tweak them based upon the reaction you get from the other person. I promised you uh, at entrepreneurs that uh, if you don't personally sell to clients over the phone and in person, video, whatever, that this would apply to you too. And let me explain how that does apply. First, if you have salespeople who are speaking directly with prospects, 
you know, you need to teach them about this topic, help them develop and catalog their stories, share with others on their team, et cetera. If you don't get involved in this and make sure they're using stories to sell, you're costing yourself a lot of money. If you're purely online or something where your company doesn't communicate directly with a prospect, you can take these same concepts and use them in all of your marketing and sales materials. For instance, one of the best ways to break false beliefs and lack of credibility in a, with an online prospect who comes to your website or sales funnel, and that's testimonials. Testimonials tell a story. And I'm not talking about, you know, one that says, you know, they're a great company. I recommend them. Bob in Texas. I mean, that's pretty useless in my opinion. What you need these days is a video testimony where you have a client tell their story, where they were when they came to your company, what they were struggling with, i.e. their false beliefs, how they came to be convinced that your solution would work for them, and then finally the results they've seen by becoming a client. By doing this, you're having someone else tell the story for you, and you actually get even more credibility and believability since it's not you telling the prospect a story. Your marketing and sales materials, your emails, ads, everything should tell a story, even if it's only three sentences. It still needs to conjure up the images in the prospect's mind that you want them to have and get them to shift to your belief system, not theirs by their default story that they make up because you don't give them one. The point of all this is that all of our interactions with prospects should be set to persuade them that our belief system about our product or service is correct and help them see that and see the value that our solution provides. So we talked about a quick four-step process or framework for integrating storytelling in our business at different levels. and. There are a couple of general things to keep in mind uh, during this story creation and presentation phase. First, uh, you want to keep your story simple. If your 10-year-old can't understand your story and the language you're using, it's too complicated, so reword it. Simplicity is critical. Next, uh, stories have got to be relatable. Just any story involving your product or service won't work if the prospect can't relate to the character in the story. You have to show the prospect that the character in the story was just like them and facing some of the same challenges. Next, the story has to be authentic. I mean, don't tell a story about a client who used your solution and they got rich overnight. Tell a story that's believable and real. People would much rather hear a story about, you know, your high school football team that illustrates a point that, you know, than they would about some superstar entrepreneur who made, you know, $100 million the day after using your solution. And this goes back to the relatability factor. And one last thought on how you present your stories If you're selling in a one-on-one scenario or even selling to a group, you know, in person uh, from stage or whatever, you have to get comfortable with repetitiveness. If you have one or two stories cataloged for each type of false belief that you want to break and you talk to 10 prospects and tell the story 10 times, guess what? You're going to start getting bored. You may feel like, geez, I've told the story a hundred times and I almost feel guilty using it. You have to remind yourself that your prospect most likely hasn't heard this story. So you have to think about it in the sense that they're not going to get bored. This is important because, you know, if you have to present your story with enthusiasm, like the first time you told it, if you're so sick of the story, you just spew it out to be done with it, it's going to come across that way and defeat the purpose of even telling it. So telling stories is a critical part of our role as entrepreneurs, even if we're not doing direct selling to prospects. A story system should permeate our entire company and what we stand for, what we present to our clients, how we attract clients through sales and marketing, and how we deal with our team everywhere. That's all I have for today. I hope this helps and hope you have an outstanding day. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening today. I hope you learned something you can implement right away. I know your time is valuable and it's really an honor to serve you. Please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform and give me your honest feedback. Also, I put together a short ebook on some of the top lessons I've learned in 20 years owning a B2B business. You can download a free copy at growyourb2bcompany.com. 